Okay, before we even get started on today's show or get into the juicy topics that we're going to talk about on today's show, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the outpouring, the, I can't even describe to you how many responses I got from you guys about yesterday's episode about pediatrician. I'm about pediatricians. I'm sorry that so many of you have had similar experiences with pediatricians being patronizing, condescending, emotionally manipulative, even bullying you about, you know, everything from A to Z, from breastfeeding to co-sleeping to vaccines. I'm sorry that we share this experience, but since we've identified the what it is of the problem, I'm confident that we can move forward and fix this problem. This, this, I I have just begun to touch this topic, that one episode and my Instagram stories over the past two days are, this is just scratching the surface on this topic. So I hope that you will all join me for, join me in this fight, join me on this ride in taking down this medical cartel that is dictating so much about how we mother, how we parent our family lives. And in answer to all of your questions, I got literally thousands of questions from all of you asking for links and citations and to all the statistics and studies that I mentioned in the show yesterday. And I have them all for you. You can find them. I will be putting it up for free on my locals, but I'll be I'll be making a post on my locals. It's lizwheelershow.com slash locals. You can go there and you can find um, all of the data, all of the information. I will link everything that I cited in that episode so that you can have it at your disposal so that you don't have to take my word for it. You can read it yourself. You can pass it along to other moms. You can study it. You can incorporate it into your parenting. Just go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals. I'm also, like I said, going to continue this conversation about healthcare, about pediatrics, about these governing bodies and how they're corrupted, not only by financial conflict of interest, but by ideology and how they govern how pediatricians and other doctors practice. We, Like I said, we're just starting this and I'm going to continue that mostly on locals. So if you haven't joined already, all of this, by the way, all of the, all of the studies that I just mentioned, I'm going to be making it a free post. So if you're not already a member, you can join for free and see that for free at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. But like I said, thank you for your outpouring of response. Thank you for every message, every DM that you sent. And thank you for sharing all of your stories. It's it's been an incredible thing. Today, I want to talk about it, it's a juicy topic. It's a funny topic. It's a not so funny topic. I want to talk about why as a woman, even though I am not a biologist, why I am still allowed to stand up for women. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, can cause mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity, and that sleeping less than six to seven hours a night is linked to reduced white blood cell count? Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important. Well, a better tomorrow starts tonight. Introducing Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today, you, my viewers and listeners, get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients. It's triple lab tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. You just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, you stir it, and you enjoy it 30 minutes before bedtime. And then you too can find out why Forbes and the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes like Danica Patrick and Baker Mayfield. And if you don't love it, then you can get your money back guaranteed for a limited time. 
You can get $20 off if you use my URL. It's beamorganics.com slash Liz and use my promo code L-I-Z at checkout. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use code Liz for $20 off at checkout. Beamorganics.com slash Liz, promo code L-I-Z for $20 off at checkout. So Ketanji Brown-Jackson is Joe Biden's nominee for Supreme Court justice. She was nominated really because of the color of her skin and because of her gender. This this was tokenism on the part of Joe Biden. He didn't nominate her by introducing her and saying, wow, this, this person is the most highly qualified person that I can find, immutable characteristics notwithstanding, and she just happens to be a woman and just happens to be a black woman. No, Joe Biden promised to nominate a black woman because she is black and because she is a woman, which I find to be, as a woman, I find to be fundamentally insulting. I want to be judged based on my character, based on my mind, based on my qualifications, not based on my genitalia, not based on how much melanin I have or do not have in my skin. So the nomination of this woman was problematic from the beginning. It was very, it was insulting of Joe Biden to nominate her. Um, it, it, it's tokenism. It's also it's also racial discrimination. When 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 someone is picked based on an immutable characteristic, it means someone else who might have deserved to be considered is not being considered based on the opposite, based on having the opposite immutable characteristic. So a man, for example, or someone with white skin, for example. Um, the the thing is, Katanji Brown Jackson sitting in front of the Senate. The, these hearings are quite fascinating to watch because. In 2022, in the fall of 2022, in November, the midterms, midterm elections, we should win back the House of Representatives. Now, I don't want to count my chickens before they've hatched. I, you know, don't put it past even Republicans to give away an election. Um, but the House, we should win back. Historically, um, the chances are high. Because historically, the midterm elections of a first-term president, that president's party, if they control the House, loses by a significant amount. That's simply the history of the thing. The Senate, however, is up for grabs. Right now, we have this 50-50 split in the Senate. It only tilts towards Democrats because Kamala Harris is the vice president. She gets to cast the tie-breaking vote. The Senate is up for grabs. It's not a done deal. And in fact, I'm watching these hearings and I'm thinking to myself, even though we cast our ballots in November, even though that's when the actual vote happens, the election itself is actually happening in the Senate right now. It's happening in the Senate right now because every single senator in in, in the entire in the entire building, especially those who are in the middle, if you will, those who aren't necessarily tied always to their party's ideology. I'm talking about Manchin. I'm talking about Cinema on the Democrat side. I'm talking about Romney and Collins and Murkowski on the Republican side. These people right now are under our scrutiny. And what I mean by that is when Ketanji Brown Jackson makes comments that are so extreme and so radical and so outside of the mainstream viewpoint of both Republican voters and Democrat voters, these senators have to decide whether they're going to own what she has said if they vote for her to confirm her or whether what she said is so extreme that they have to reject her. And so it's almost more of a referendum on on, on the Senate, on the United States Senate and on these senators than it is on Ketanji Brown-Jackson. But I did laugh. I did laugh because Ketanji Brown-Jackson was asked, can you define the word woman? This is pivotal, of course, in the the culture war over transgenderism. And Ketanji Brown-Jackson was asked, can you define a woman? And she said, no. She was asked by Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn. She said, no. And Marsha Blackburn says, you can't. And Ketanji Brown-Jackson's answer was astounding, but also hilarious. 
Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. I'm not a biologist, she said. So I, I have several thoughts on this. First of all, it, it initially made me laugh because I thought this is this is funny because Ketanji Brown Jackson was nominated by Joe Biden to the Supreme Court for the sole reason that she is a woman. She was nominated because she's a woman, but then she turns around and can't define woman. So it, I laugh because it takes the teeth out of the tokenism of what Joe Biden is doing. How can you claim that this is the first woman, the first black woman doing something if she can't even define define the word woman? If she if she can't if you can't define it. Then you can't identify as it. If you can't define it, it isn't. It doesn't exist. And so I did, I did hear this and I thought, LOL, they are so woke. This, this woke gender ideology is such nonsense that they can't even, that it just contradicts them. They contradict themselves. It implodes it. They eat their own, if you will. Um, the, the second thing I thought though, when she said, makes this comment, I'm not a biologist. I thought, well, this is an interesting question that should be posed to leftists or anybody that's pushing or even anybody that's tolerant of the gender ideology, anybody who accepts transgenderism as, as reality versus as gender dysphoria, which is a, a mental health disorder. And, and I thought these, these leftists should be asked the question, is the definition of a woman, is it a matter of biology or is it a matter of identity? Because if it's a matter of identity, then, I mean, Katanji Brown-Jackson in their eyes would be acting in a transphobic way here. But this, this shows, her answer shows one of two things. It either shows that she's so afraid of leftist gender ideology, she's so afraid of the woke mob coming after her that she's not willing to say, well, the definition of a woman historically and typically and scientifically woman is a the female of the species. The female of the species is the, the one that, um, that, drops the egg, if you will, <laughs> and that carries the young and births the young. Um, if, if she can't answer that question because she's so afraid of the woke mob, then she's not qualified to be on the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is a re really a controversial position. Not, not being on the Supreme Court, but you have to accept if you're on the Supreme Court that about half of the country is typically going to disagree with what you write in your rulings, especially when we have a society that's so divided, especially when jurisprudence has become so political. You know, a lot of times, if you are a conservative justice and you adhere to the Constitution, then, then your viewpoints are reviled by the left. And if you're a leftist who believes the Constitution is li a living Constitution, who believes that they're just on the bench to be judicial activists for a cause and not to, um, not, not to adhere to the original intent of the Constitution, then you're going to have Republicans who are going to reject your rulings. I mean, th th this is a highly political position. This is the problem with Chief Justice John Roberts, who wants the Supreme Court to be this apolitical body. And he, he, he tries to make it an apolitical body by not, not issuing any controversial opinions or any opinions that would ruffle feathers, which is insane because that's impossible in this day and age. Even the absence of a so-called political opinion is a political opinion. And so I thought to myself, she's so afraid of ruffling feathers, then she's not qualified to be on the Supreme Court because that's going to be what she has to do. Um, but my second question is, is why aren't we asking biologists? I, I truly wonder what biologists would say if they're surveyed and they say, what, what is the definition of a woman? How do you define a woman? Um, yeah, let's ask biologists. Let's see what they say. And then let's adhere to that in our society if we're asking from a strictly 
scientific perspective. This, this of course, is a pivotal issue for women. It's not just a joke. It's not just, it's not just culture wars on Twitter with the Babylon Bee getting booted off of Twitter for making fun of Rachel Levine, the transgender individual in the Biden administration, or Leah Thomas, the transgender swimmer who won the NCAA women's, women's title. This is a pivotal issue for women, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, because it, it's the erasure of biological women. It's it's an effort by the left to render us obsolete. And and there's this disrespect that comes from the left towards us when we say this. And I, I was on Twitter just earlier today, and I saw this tweet from a leftist named John Pavlovitz. And this tweet went really, really viral. It it's been seen by hundreds of thousands of people. And he tweeted I can't fathom the mind of a woman who still votes Republican. I can only feel sorry for whatever story they tell themselves. That's that's the tweet. And I, I, I responded to him because, you know, it's a viral tweet. It's worth giving a response to, but also because th- this is exactly what I expect from the left. This, what he's, what he's articulating is a form of misogyny. It's a form of belittling of women and degrading of women. It's it's gross and kind of hilarious that leftists can't actually define for us what they can't define for us the word woman. They also destroy women, unborn women in the womb. They teach little girls that they can be boys if they want to. They they degrade our femininity and our biological and intrinsic and spiritual desire to carry children and be mothers. They belittle this and medicate it away as if it's a problem. Um, leftists are actually erasing us. They are erasing women. And that is the ultimate form of sexism. That is, they're actually, they're actually reversing the progress that women have made in society. They are taking us back to the patriarchy. This is, this is sexism and the patriarchy. And ultimately it's misogyny. And so it's really not a difficult question to know why women across our country are turning towards the Republican party. Um, it's very easy to see why, because the left is trying to erase who we are. And this, this is why this is such a pivotal issue for women and why we shouldn't just laugh at Ketanji Brown-Jackson uh, answering, well, I can't answer this question. I'm just a biologist. It's actually, after my episode yesterday, I had what, what I might guess is a healthcare worker reach out to me. I don't know that this person's a pediatrician, but they said, you know, you, you shouldn't have these opinions about your child's health. You know, go to med school and then you can have an opinion. And that made me laugh because that is what I expect from pediatricians. I expect them to say that I, as the mother, have no right to have an opinion about my child's health. And that, that's what I see from the left here is um, they don't want us as women or us as men who love women to have an opinion about the definition of a woman. They don't want us to have a right to have an opinion about women being rendered obsolete unless we are in a very specific, narrow field of science. And I, I utterly and completely reject that. But Ketanji Brown-Jackson, that's only one of the things Ketanji Brown-Jackson said yesterday that I think the senators, Democrat and Republican, should be made to take ownership of. Friends, one of the biggest problems all Americans will face in 2022 is runaway food prices. Sky-high inflation is hitting everyone hard already. Imagine how much worse it's going to get. But I have a solution you're going to love. Get yourself some long-term storage emergency food from My Patriot Supply, America's largest emergency food provider. Hands down, 
This is the most affordable way to buy emergency food. The food itself is delicious. I know my husband and I keep a store of backup food. I have to admit it was my husband who got me on the the prepper train. I wasn't naturally oriented to this, but uh, we are off the grid here at our house. We have emergency food in our basement. Get yourself the four-week emergency food kit, which provides breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. Right now, you can save $50 on each four-week kit that you order if you go to my URL, It's preparewithliz.com. You can pick up one kit for each person in your family. Don't wait. Go to my URL, preparewithliz.com right now. That's preparewithliz.com. It's the responsible thing to do. Your family will be grateful. Preparewithliz.com. So then we have Katanji Brown Jackson embracing or subtly embracing an ideology that the majority of Americans think is racist and think is evil. Senator Ted Cruz confronted Jackson about critical race theory. Brown Jackson sits on the board of a private school that teaches four-year-olds that they are inherently racist. And the exchange is extremely telling. There are portions of this book that, that, that I find really quite remarkable. One portion of the book says babies are taught to be racist or anti-racist. There is no neutrality. Another portion of the book, they recommend to babies confess when being racist. Now, this is a book that is taught at Georgetown Day School to students in pre-K through second grade, so four through seven years old. do, do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that, that babies are racist? Senator. I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued or though they are less than that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I don't believe in any of that. But what I will say is that when you asked me whether or not this was taught in schools, critical race theory, my understanding is that critical race theory as an academic theory is taught in law schools. And to the extent that you were asking the question, I understood you to be addressing public schools. Georgetown Day School, just like the religious school that Justice Barrett was on the board of, is a private school. By the way, this is what Beto O'Rourke in Texas did too. When he was asked, do you support critical race theory? And he said, no, no, I oppose it. I, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of this. Um, I, I didn't believe him. I don't think anybody should believe him. He backtracked, not because he was rejecting a, a belief that's held by the Democratic Party, at least the elected portion of the Democratic Party. No, he backtracked because public opinion shows that critical race theory is really unpopular. So this is this is your classic pandering, your classic politicking by a politician. And that, I believe, is what Ketanji Brown-Jackson is doing as, as well, because the proof shows otherwise. The proof is in her actions. In 2020, this, this speech was given two years ago. Two years ago, she gave a speech praising Derek Bell. Derek Bell is the father of critical race theory. He's the one who talks at length about white privilege. He talks about this inherent racism that he 
that he propositions is inherent to people who have white skin. I mean, he's the one who paints white people as oppressors, black people as victims, and says that this is so ingrained in our nation that it delegitimizes our whole country, that this is who we are as Americans, who we are as the United States. It's disgusting stuff. And Ketanji Brown Jackson praised him in a speech in 2020. And listen, if she has since disavowed this view, then she should have, or she would have, told us about this transformation, told us about this redemption that she had in the past two years, said, listen, I used to embrace this. And then I realized that it was wrong, that it was evil, that it was gross, that it was racist. And, and here's why I disavow, and here's proof that my, that my transformation is sincere. She said none of that, none whatsoever. In fact, she, she resorted to a trope that the left has been using for the past year as we have been exposing critical race theory in public schools, K through 12 across the country. They, the, the left denies this. They say critical race theory is a legal theory. This is only taught in law school. It doesn't exist in, in public schools. It doesn't even exist in K to 12 schools at all. We know this is false. We know that the principles of critical race theory are being taught to children. Um, the anti-racist baby book is a perfect example of this. This is the principles of critical race theory packaged in a way to indoctrinate very young children. And the, the funny part of this is that she engages in this trope, which has been debunked. I mean, anti-racist baby actually debunks that trope right there. This is the principles of critical race theory being taught in school. But at the same time, um, two days ago, Katanji Brown Jackson said, I didn't study critical race theory. This is not something that I ever practiced. And I thought, well, you can't have it both ways here. You are essentially auditioning for the highest judicial position in all of our land. You are a lawyer by trade, a judge by, profess by profession, and you're telling me that you are unfamiliar, you never studied critical, critical race theory or critical legal studies while you were in law school? If so, then you're actually unqualified to serve at, on the highest bench in the land because even, even if you reject the ideology, even if anybody rejects the ideology, if you are competent in your field, you should be familiar with what the theory is, familiar with the ideology. So it's taught in law school, she says, but she herself didn't study it, yet she wants uh, a position on the highest judicial, on um, the highest judicial, well, the bench in the land. I don't buy it. You can't have it both ways here. And by the way, Senator Ted Cruz on his podcast Verdict this week did a deeper dive into why exactly what Ketanji Brown Jackson said is so dangerous. So that's a great listen for anybody who wants to go in deeper there. But the, the problem is, is we the people deserve to know the personal political ideology of Ketanji Brown Jackson. It's, it's not something that I accept when judicial nominees claim that they are apolitical. I don't believe that people are apolitical. I believe that some people are afraid to speak their politics. I believe that some people are uninformed. I believe that some people would like to be disinterested. I believe that some people are apathetic. I don't believe ultimately that people, especially people in the judicial branch, don't have a political ideology. And so Ketanji Brown Jackson, to put it bluntly, is a liar. She, she actually contradicts herself during these hearings. And a liar should not be on the Supreme Court. She first claims that she's not going to wade into political policy itself. I am particularly mindful of, of not speaking to policy issues because I am so committed to staying in my lane of the system, because I, I, I'm just not willing to speak to issues that are properly in the province of this body. So right there, she claims to be this, this apolitical, 
entity, that she's not going to wade into policy because that's not her role. But then when Senator Grassley asks her if she's ever ruled in a way that incorporates her policy preferences on a certain topic, well, listen for yourself to see what she says. Have you ever declined to impose an enhanced sentence on a defendant because you disagreed with the enhancement as a policy matter? Thank you, Senator. Um, yes. And the reason is because of Supreme Court case law concerning um, the way in which the guideline system operates. The Supreme Court has um, determined in a case we discussed yesterday that the guidelines are no longer binding on judges. So the point here is very obvious. A dishonest person shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. And Ketanji Brown-Jackson contradicted herself in a way that shows that she's lying. I mean, we, we have a right to understand her jurisprudence before she serves on the Supreme Court. And her jurisprudence is informed by her political ideology. A political ideology is a conglomeration of policy positions or your ideology applies to your policy positions. We, we have a right to know this. And it's, it's a very important thing for us to understand. And as I said, I'm not trying to throw an ad hominem for ad hominem's sake, but I am identifying dishonesty when I see it. Ketanji Brown-Jackson is using this deflection tactic, claiming that she is apolitical just so that we don't investigate her personal political ideology because she knows that that is not going to reflect well. It's not because she's apolitical. She, she is a liar. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like having a first aid kit, but not keeping it stocked up. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine. But what if you suddenly get into a horrible accident and there's nothing in your first aid kit to help you stop the bleeding? Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafes, hotels, airports, what have you, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data. I'm talking your passwords, your financial details. Your data is not only personal, it's valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal information on the dark web. Fortunately, we have ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's super secure. It'd take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. It's also easy to use. You just fire up the app and click one button to get protected. It works on all devices, your phone, your laptop, your tablet, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. I personally like ExpressVPN. Secure your data online today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. And you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash Liz to redeem this offer, an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash L-I-Z. The idea, so yesterday was National Atheist Day, apparently. It was trending on Twitter. Otherwise, I wouldn't know a pointless, dumb fact like that. And I was reminded that this, this ideology of atheism is one that I reject, of course, but we're not even talking about the spiritual here. We're talking about, from a practical perspective, um, secularists or atheists like to tell us that we need this separation of church and state, that the absence of anything religious or any morality related to religion is um, our duty in our government, that our government should reject anything related to religion. And I'm I was reminded yesterday, seeing some of these posts by atheists, that the absence of a religious belief is in, of it, is in and of itself a religious choice. It is a religious belief. It's an ideological belief. Um, you can't just have 
no religious beliefs. You either have one or you don't have one. And both of those choices are a religious choice. Therefore, having the the so-called absence of religious morality is a form of morality itself. Therefore, the absence of, say, Christian morality or Judeo-Christian morality in our, in our governmental or legal system or in our society, um, having the absence of that is having the atheistic ideology or the atheistic, quote-unquote, morality inherent to our government. The absence of a religious belief is in and of itself a religious belief. That's the same actually with political ideology. The absence of a policy statement in some cases is actually a policy statement itself. And Ketanji Brown Jackson is certainly aware of this. She practiced this tactic in the Senate during the hearings when Senator Kennedy asked her, when does a human life begin? When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. So this in and of itself is, is that policy statement. This isn't the absence of an opinion. This isn't the absence of a decision. This isn't the absence of a political ideology or a political policy. This actually shows us that she rejects biology because ironically, academic biologists, 95% of them, um, say that a human life begins at the moment of conception, which, I mean, I can never pass up the, the, the poetic justice here of this kind of irony. But this shows us that she rejects biology in favor of the leftist abortion ideology, which requires the which requires people who adhere to it to ignore biology. Otherwise, they have to admit that they are killing human beings here. So th this is a policy judgment that she's talking or that she's engaging in here by pretending she has the absence of one. These policy judgments inform us about her ideology, inform us about her jurisprudence. This woman, if she's confirmed, will serve for probably 30 years on the Supreme Court. Her rulings will have an impact on every single one of our lives, our children's lives, our freedoms, our liberties, the idea of justice, every aspect of our lives in the United States of America will be touched by this woman if she is confirmed to the Supreme Court. And some of her ideology is downright evil. And this is, this is evident to us by how she's ruled in just despicable cases about child pornography. And she defends being lenient on child sex predators. I actually don't understand. There, there's a, a wing of the conservative movement right now or some conservatives who are criticizing us for criticizing Ketanji Brown Jackson being lenient on child sex offenders. They are saying this isn't a thing, this, this makes sense. And I don't understand this because if a child is sexually abused, sexually exploited, and vi it's videotaped, and it's photographed, and then it's sold, it's distributed, and it's consumed by predators for their own gratification, this is just as evil as it comes. This is a crime against humanity. This is heinous. This is... I mean, I can't, with a daughter myself, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that so many children are exploited in this way. And Ketanji Brown Jackson has chosen the most lenient sentences allowed by law when she sentenced child sex predators, when she had discretion over giving their sentence. And when called out for this, defends, defends her sentencing based on her argument that it's easier to commit this heinous crime now that we have the internet than it was before we have the internet. We are going to treat a person who's distributed a thousand a lot worse because that shows that this person is really engaged in this really horrible behavior. In comes the internet. 
on the internet with one click, you can receive, you can distribute tens of thousands. You can be doing this for 15 minutes and all of a sudden you are looking at 30, 40, 50 years in prison. Good. Good. I understand. Absolutely good. I hope you are. To do good. Allow her to finish, please. I hope you go to jail for 50 years. If you're on the Internet trolling for images please. of children and sexual exploitation. So you don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a that's horrible not thing. That's what the witness said. And she should be allowed to answer this question once and for all. Senator. I agree with Senator Graham here. Her, her, she's defending leniency on child sex predators, and it doesn't matter if you abuse a child for five minutes or five hours. If you are engaging in this kind of hideous, disgusting, predatory behavior, ruining these children's lives, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, yeah, you should go to prison for 30, 40, 50 years. I don't care how long it took you to commit the crime. When has that ever been a factor? How easy it is to commit the crime or how long it took you to commit the crime? When has that ever been a factor in the seriousness of the crime? This woman is not a serious legal mind. She also, by the way, has a history of academic writing in the past where she discusses the stigma sex predators face after they're released from prison, arguing that maybe they shouldn't face the stigma because the sentencing is incorrect here. These are policy positions that she has taken that are terrible. This is why I said the election in 2020, the, the battle over who takes the Senate in November of 2022 is happening right now. It's happening right before our eyes. It, it's time actually to stop questioning Katanji Brown-Jackson. We have all the information we need to know about this woman. We understand her viewpoints on racism, on critical race theory, on gender, on abortion, on science, on sentencing, on child sex predators. We understand where, where she stands on all of these issues. We have her history as a judge to understand where, where her jurisprudence lies, how she is going to predictably rule if she's on the Supreme Court. And so it's time to start questioning the senators. I, I, there's been a tradition in our Congress for quite some time now where our elected representatives, whether, whether they're in, in the House or whether they're in the Senate, they actually try to avoid getting on the record about hot button topics. If they possibly can, they avoid taking ownership of topics because they don't want to, they don't want to anger constituents. This is a very, I, I hate this mindset. This very lazy mindset. It's a very power hungry mindset. They're, they're putting their seat in Congress on a higher pedestal than their, activism or their defense of conservative values or even of the Constitution. And I see this a little bit happening right now in the Senate, and I want this to stop. I want senators in the United States Senate to either have to take ownership of Ketanji Brown-Jackson's positions if they vote in favor of her nomination or openly, bluntly, strongly reject this ideology and then vote against her nomination. I mean, we're talking about issues that cross the cross the aisle, issues that aren't necessarily Republican or Democrat. We're talking about critical race theory, something that parents across the country hate. We're talking about the defense of women, the definition of a woman, the attempt by the left to render us obsolete. We're talking about life, the scientific definition of when does a life begin and do we have a right then to end that human life once that life has begun? We're talking about the defense of children against pedophiles and predators who would exploit them and abuse them. We're talking about issues that are really, really important to our country and every senator in the Senate should be forced to take ownership of Ketanji Brown-Jackson's ideology, her positions, her statements, if that senator is going to vote in 
in favor of this nomination. Otherwise, these senators should vote against nominations. This is how we win elections. This is how we win elections. If we play offense here, if we make Democrats, even Democrats who aren't swing senators, if we make the Democratic Party who's in favor of the nomination of Ketanji Brown-Jackson, if we make them take ownership of her ideology, we will win elections more. We will force Democrats to be less radical. We will advance conservative values in the protection of women and children and the unborn and, you know, eradicate actual racism that's being taught to our kids in school, that's being, that's infiltrating corporate boardrooms, that's, that's infecting um, corporations like Disney and the NBA. We will make progress in this really important culture war if we force our elected representatives to either take ownership of this hideous ideology so that we know what they represent or to reject this ideology when all of the eyes of the world, as they are right now, are on them. Our Locals VIP of the week is Swim Coach. Swim Coach, I am delighted that you are a part of our community. I know that you are not a new member of our community. You are an active participant, an active VIP. Your comments are much appreciated. Your life experience is interesting. I appreciate all your contributions. And I'm very familiar with uh, interacting with you, of course, as you know, but other people might not know. So I'm mentioning it. If you are not already a part of the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, please join us. LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. As I said at the beginning of the show, you can find all of the references, the citations, the studies, the research um, from my show yesterday, What Moms Need to Know About Pediatricians. You can find that on Locals. I highly recommend that you go over there and check it out. That's lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.